and we are live jack you can go ahead and finish what you were doing we'll let, we'll wait a bit and let people roll in and uh Alrighty. i will start my introduction here of what's going down so welcome everyone to the art of game mastery's finding paths stream uh i'm john this is my co-host jackie and as usual, we are going to talk about uh, RPG stuff. Uh, this is normally a Pathfinder 2E focused stream, um, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. Hold on one second. Let me get my okay. browser tab was in the way. Um, as I as you as you probably know, if you you know you're a frequent watcher of the stream, I'm often talking about a different RPG system called Fate uh, that has a various various versions of it. Um, and I actually have, even on the channel, I have a part one so far of a, uh, actual play of us playing Fate Condensed, which is a variant of the Fate system. Um, and recently, uh, like within the last, what, two weeks, Jackie, I'd say, or was it what, last week? I don't even recall. Um, what is time anymore? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I think it was time. last week, but if not the week before, uh, Jackie, at, in order to you know better learn the system, decided they wanted to run a fate one shot themselves, and they did so. That was the sixth. That was that was two weeks ago. Wow. Okay, it's so two weeks ago. Quick. See, I'm just time doesn't exist anymore to me. Mm -hmm. It just it just is a thing now. Um, but they did a really good job of that, and this is their first time GMing a, a narrative focused RPG that isn't D and D esque. I think, right? Jack? Oh no, you did call it the Cthulhu. Yeah, call of Cthulhu. So. It's not your yes. first time doing an RPG like this. Um, but yeah, we wanted to do a bit of a retrospective of their experience gaming it, talk a little about what makes Fate great, what maybe some some downsides of Fate, maybe when you wouldn't want to run it, what, you know, things like that. So a bit more of just a, a deep dive into what Fate is, our experiences running it, playing in it, um, how it compares to D&D derivatives like Pathfinder and the various versions of D&D themselves, um, things like that. Um, I don't, what I don't think, and maybe Jackie, you, you, you might disagree here, but I, I don't think it maybe makes a lot of sense to go into the rules of fate unless, what do you think in there? Um, not really explicitly covered rules. There were some things about the rules that, I mean, I guess if like, I'm looking at them from a perspective of like how they compare to other systems, right. that would be one thing, but I don't think we're going to be covering rules. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's probably going to be some natural explanations of certain things, but I don't think it's going to be like Jack said. I don't think it's going to be like a uh, teach teach you how to play Fate kind of deal. Um, are you all, are you all good on the the social medias and everything? Are you done with that? Or are you still working on that? Nope, still working on it. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's. I guess I'll go in and while they're working on that, I'll talk a little bit about what makes Fate Fate and what makes it different than some RPGs like D&D &D or Pathfinder or even some other narrative RPGs um, like uh, Call of Cthulhu and things like that. So first of all, what is Fate? It is a narrative-focused RPG. Um, that means that unlike games like D&D &D or Pathfinder where you know they have their roots in like wargaming, but they still put an emphasis on narrative as well, Fate and games like it are more are almost entirely focused on the narrative aspect. And there is combat in Fate, but that combat is very much more hand wavy, far less tactical. And um, I like to say the, the the phrase I like to say is that it's less about you know winning or losing and more about looking cool doing it. Um, if you play Fate correctly, there's very little reason for 
a player character to ever die in fate um you can think of fate as a uh a system for generate for generating yeah, yeah. Uh, cooperative story, uh, cooperative cinematic storytelling. So think of like it's like like producing a movie in your heads, right? Like they, if you think of the way a movie progresses, it has a beginning, a middle, a climax, and an end, right? And while you're progressing through there, you have the protagonist, you have the antagonist, you have various side characters. Uh, some of them are more important than others. You have your minions, you have your major, you know, major antagonists, etc. But you, you're never in fear of the protagonists dying, except in very extreme circumstances, and that and that only happens if it's to further uh, extend the story, right? They don't just die and then another one comes out of woodwork. If 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 a if a important character, whether protagonist, antagonist, important NPC or whatever, if they die, it's it's usually for narrative purposes and not just because the dice fell on them, fell on them right? Um, so as a GM of fate, it's kind of your, your role to kind of facilitate that. And there's rules around mitigating that possibility. Um, in particular in combat and fate, uh, you don't have HP, you don't have things you know, like you don't have an armor class, et cetera. You have a skill and that your enemy has a skill and one of you rolls attack, one of you rolls defend, that resolves, and you have what's called stress as kind of your stand-in for HP. But you may only have, like, three stress. Like, you don't have, like, a whole lot. Like, this combats are meant to happen extremely quick, extremely action-packed, very fast-paced. Um, and if you find yourself running low on stress, you as a character can say, I, my character, concedes this fight. You lose the fight, but you maintain complete... Uh, agency over what happens to your character at the end of that encounter, whether you win or lose, right? If if the entire party concedes, then you're, you collectively can say, like, yes, we understand we lost this fight, but let's talk about how what happens next. You don't just die. Like, that's not interesting, right? Um, I don't think this came up in our, uh, our one-shot with you, Jackie, did it? No. People dying in the one-shot? No. Yeah, yeah. Um... And honestly, it, it doesn't, in my experience, it doesn't happen a whole lot anyway, um, because it's very difficult, unless your your players are just very lacking entirely in creativity, and you and the GM don't recognize that and start going complete hard on them, then it's very hard to ever lose those kind of encounters, um, because of all the tools you have at your disposal to kind of turn a bad situation good. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about advantages and or let's start with aspects, actually. What you want to talk a little bit about aspects and what makes them unique in fate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just we want to like really quickly define aspects. Um, it's basically the way you spend your fate points, right? I mean, I think I have a pretty good grasp on that. Mm -hmm. um, would you say the aspects are used for anything else? Well, as in fate aspects are always true, right? So what they really are are they're they're little little blurbs like um uh let's see if an example off the top of my head, like uh sharp sh like uh it's not a very good one. Um you know, my father died when I was little might be an aspect, right? It's just something that you're saying this is an important part, this is an important aspect of my character. Um and this is always true. 
like narratively in 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 game in the world of we're playing in this is a 100 truth uh and then yes you can use fate points which is a, a currency that players and and game masters have at their disposal to kind of push the the narrative or push the fate of the characters in a certain direction um so yeah like jackie mentioned you use fate points to invoke what they call invoke an aspect or you could, as a GM or even another player, really, you can use fate points, or you can give the other player fate point to compel an aspect. So invoking is like saying, I want to use this aspect in a positive way to give myself a bonus to whatever I'm trying to do. Compelling an aspect is kind of reverse. It's saying, because this is true, I'm going to compel you, the player, to allow your character to fall into this less than optimal situation uh or scenario in exchange for gaining a fate point because when you spend fate points they go away you only have like three maybe at the start of a session depending on your character refresh so if you're you know you should be invoking them a lot so you need a way to get fate points back and compels mm -hmm. are the kind of the way to do that and this i think is actually i mean jack you can correct me if i'm wrong but when i was starting as a game master for fate that was and really to this day it still is one of the hardest things to grasp as a game master is i have to continuously be looking at you know my my players aspects my npcs aspects my scene aspects and find ways to compel my players to do things to keep that kind of fate point economy ebbing and flowing because as a player there's nothing worse than like being stuck with no no mm -hmm. fate points and like really just you can't do anything like you can roll for in your skills still you can do that but you know your npcs are probably using fate points to invoke aspects so you're always going to be at a disadvantage there and i think as a player it's our you know our job to if you are running along fate points or you recognize you know someone else you know the party member running along fate points you might suggest a compel to your gm and say hey you know, I myself or so-and-so are running on fate points. You know, they have this aspect. Maybe it makes sense to that this and this and that will happen because of that. And the GM can, you know, be the ultimate arbiter there, whether that happens or not. But I don't know, in your experience, how did you find compels? It, it, was, it was very difficult to arbitrate at first. Um, the f first thing that I noticed is that usually when you're making uh, of, like, an ongoing campaign there's more incentive to make a backstory mm -hmm. and so the first part that we had about doing these aspects is that we were doing a one shot which means that um i feel like there was less incentive for people to kind of come up with a backstory yeah and in fate the backstory is kind of your aspects and so yeah um, yeah your I aspects like usually are, are built off of whatever your backstory is like important parts of it yeah Right. So for people who like to write really long backstories, fate might be for you since you're going to be more incentivized to kind of develop what your character is going to be, especially in a long running campaign. However, we did a one shot. So the, um, the aspects I was constantly kind of just rotating between the players and trying to make sure that everybody was getting a chance for all of their aspects to be invoked. Mm. I didn't want somebody who was participating in the game to not get a chance to use you know, any of their aspects. Right. And uh, like towards the end of the game, you know, I tried to, to, you know, jam pack into the very ending, you know, your aspect and I was having trouble getting all of them kind of in there. 
Yeah, admittedly, in, in your one shot, we didn't do a very good job of determining, like, we as players didn't do a very good job of thinking about, like, I think we didn't, we didn't think about the, uh, what the world, the setting, and everything was going to be, because I think, like, some of our aspects, and also some of our stunts, and we'll get the stunts here in a little bit, were probably not the best given what we had you know what we were going to be doing in that campaign like there were a, a lot of us had very heavily combat focused uh stunts for instance um <laughs> and it wasn't i mean we knew this from the get-go it wasn't going to be a, a combat heavy game right um so that was that was on us um and you're right. I think Fate is a harder game to run a one-shot on because of these kind of things. I think there are things you can do in character creation and in in play, really, uh, to kind of make one-shots easier. And I think what maybe, I don't know, if we have time, we'll get to them towards the end. If not, we'll probably do a separate video or just a blog post or something on it. Um, but there are little tips and tricks I've learned over the years that can make that a little easier. It's never going to be super easy. Um, just because the nature of the game is is one of cooperative storytelling and cinematic storytelling. So, um, I don't know. What were some of the hardest hardest things you found when you were running it? Like, what were some of the things that you, you felt you forgot often or um, Getting you felt you didn't to do correctly? was was difficult enough right so uh, running the game is one aspect of fate but mm -hmm. getting the game started in general uh it was difficult to get aspects created um yeah from the beginning i just i noticed that like you were going through with like a, a fine comb noticing that like people had a lot of aspects and i kept trying to it's really hard to explain kind of... what aspects are to a new person and it's almost like it's why i kept like pointing people to the fake uh, for clarification, we used a variant of Fate called Fate Condensed, which is almost exactly like Fate Core, which is the main variant of Fate. But it does have a few minor things changed for streamlining purposes. Um, but it has a nice little succinct PDF that you can kind of share around. It's free. You know, you don't have to pay anything for it. Um, you can share it around. And I was actually like, uh, I think I was actually linking to the Fate Condensed SRD at fatesrd.com mm -hmm. but i was trying to get people to like look at some example aspects because i feel like once you see examples of aspects and kind of see what they're supposed to look like it becomes much more apparent but i think like you know at first i was looking at people's character sheets and their aspects were like these super long like multi-sentence things and i was like that's not how you know they should be very succinct and purposefully vague but not too vague because then they're not going to be you know you want them to be useful in based positive and negative ways they are a very hard thing to wrap your head around and i don't think the fate rules do a very good job of explaining them um i have uh i have a bit of tangent uh sure, i guess you could it. say it's a bit um a bit of a tantrum about how i feel that like fate is kind of pointing out some of the problems that are experiencing in other tabletop rpgs and it's this thought process that the GM is supposed to do all of the work mm -hmm. and with eight, um, the players needed to do a large sum of it. And with the GM, it was, right? it like, was really difficult. You like work together really on difficult it, which is, to, yeah. Right. Because we're so used to when I read the rules, the rules tell me and give me, inspire me with ideas of like what I'm going to create. And usually those rules are something really base ancestries classes mm -hmm. backgrounds like they already have these things kind of picked out for you 
And I mean, while it might have like a million choices, it's still kind of just a type of multiple choice. Whereas yeah. fate was just like, you're on your own. Get Sky's creative. the limit, right? And, you can do whatever the heck you want <laughs> as long as it makes and, sense. And just as we talked about, like with uh, you know some sandboxes or some west marches, there might be uh, you know an option bloat where there's there's too many things to choose mm -hmm. from, and you can pre pretty much become indecisive in that manner. And it can be really difficult to kind of when creating a character or if you're GMing it, trying to get people to make their characters kind of fit with like what the theme is for your game. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of which, our theme was heist. Like we had all agreed on that we wanted to do a heist. So for all of us to have things that were very combat oriented when the goal is to, you know, not get into combat in the first place. Right. It was like uh, we were we were reverting back to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a common a common thing, especially from people who come from those kind of RPGs. And it's it's something that, in my experience, the only way to break it is to just keep playing new like these kind of games. And eventually you just, that, you know, that's a switch in your head flips, right? And you're like, oh, you know, I don't have to be holding that. Now, I will say that the Fate system is designed to be setting agnostic and genre agnostic, which is mm -hmm. is great. Um, but like Jackie said, it for some kinds of players, that might not be the best fit for them. Some kinds of players like that structure of, you know, being able to that with not having to deal with that cognitive load of having to like come up with a bunch of stuff on their own. Like some people just aren't that creative, and that's fine. Um, so if you're thinking of playing Fate, make sure that the players you're playing with, you know, are on board. Make sure they're it's clear to them that hey. This is a very loosey-goosey game, and it's like there's not a lot of rules, and the rules that do exist are very hand-wavy, and and like it's it's not it's not going to be immediately obvious what you can like. It requires a lot of creativity on the not just creating the character, right? But you know when creating advantages, uh, which is a major aspect of fate, um, you know explaining how your aspects are relevant at the current time in order to invoke them when they might not necessarily be immediately relevant, right? Like you might not, if you have the aspect, uh, you know, cybernetic eye and you're in the situation where, um, I don't know, like you're just in combat, say you're just in combat, right? Like normally you would think, oh, my eye isn't that relevant. And when I'm sitting here swinging a, a dagger at someone. I don't know. The fact that I have a cybernetic eye specifically is, might not be that relevant when I'm sitting here swinging a dagger at someone. But uh, something I used, or an example I used is, says, hey, you know, this eye is really good at making really quick calculations. So maybe like ahead of, while, while he was swinging, the enemy was swinging their sword or, you know, shooting their gun or what have you, uh, maybe my eye was able to quickly calculate the trajectory and decide the ultimate, ultimate or optimal dodging position to avoid it right and you could that would be a good use of that aspect and then allow me to spend a fate point to invoke it and gain a bonus to my defend roll so there's like you're and that's that is even kind of a relatively easy to come up with like situation there's all there's situations you come <laughs> up all the time where you're like man i have these aspects i don't know how the hell i'm gonna make them work but i need a bonus or i'm gonna get you know roughed up real good so it's like it does take a lot of creativity um and that's not for everyone, I don't think. But so what I noticed was that um, in in the midst of basically the combat um, that ended up uh, ensuing, 
um, people were being pretty creative once we got things flowing, mm-hmm. but uh, the rules were, hmm, I want to say that there there wasn't enough rules and that they felt a bit vague. And so we were often kind of stumbling with this, and I felt like we should have had um, like a, I mean, this one shot was supposed to be an introduction to fate, right? And I feel like that was too complex, and we should have had just like a real quick one-off scenario where we didn't have, uh, you know, where we had like a less structure or something where we could kind of just uh, popcorn, go around and have people interact with thinking off the top of their head, right? Like we needed some kind of, um, some some prep class ahead of time for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, and that actually might be a, a good way to introduce people who haven't played Fate before, how, how Fate works. Um, I had not considered that, but that's actually a really, a really good idea. Maybe just like an improv session, right? Like, mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you just run a series of combat encounters, really quick combat encounters, or a really, uh, really s- yeah. quick series of challenges, or um, what do they call them? Uh, conflicts, challenges, and... Uh, things to overcome? What is those things? Uh... Forget the third one. Ah, well, anyway, there's a third, there's a third type of encounter, so to speak. Um, oh. And yeah, uh, contests. Kind of like That's what it was, contests. Oh, okay. Um, maybe just run through a number of those, like just off the cuff, you know, like really quick made up contrived things just to get people thinking about how to use aspects. Cause another thing I felt that is really hard for new players to fate, especially ones coming from D and D drive games, uh, to grasp is that in fate, it's often better to set up one person for a big success than it is for everyone to succeed at like, mm-hmm. If, how should I explain this in a way that would make sense I, to people I don't know fate? Exactly what you're talking about, as far as like the difference between Five E and Pathfinder, right? Where the goal was everybody wants to do damage on their turn. Mm-hmm. In Pathfinder, the goal is to set up the the fighter, trip the enemy, terrorize the enemy, set up flanking, so that way when it's the fighter's turn, he can just wail on them. Yeah, and it's that that kind of like. Uh, volleyball mentality of everybody needs to get into position and spike the ball up, mm-hmm. serve the ball up, so that way the spiker can deliver it to the other team. Yeah, and I think that's especially true in in fate, given the way that conflicts work. In that you you make an attack roll and it's directly contested with the other party's defend roll, and the amount of damage you do is determined by the difference in your rolls. So if you you know you beat them by one shift, they call it one difference in roll then you're only doing one stress. But if you, you know, if somebody else creates an advantage to give you a free invoke, now all of a sudden you automatically get a plus two. So that turns a plus one, you know, turns a one shift into a three shift. And now all of a sudden you got a success with style, which means not only do you do a crap ton of damage to this guy, you also get a boost on top of it, which you can then invoke to, you know, do something else. It's like, it, it really favors lay, layering on the support. And I think that's something really difficult for people not used to that kind of play to, to grok. Right. So the, the improv that I'm thinking that should be like a warm up before mm-hmm. we do this thing should be an example of how is everybody going to work together as a team to set, you know, like set somebody up for success. Right. Like an improv thing, one person has to come up with, um, 
what is the thing I want to do, right? I want to be able to, I don't know, um, we were playing uh, with the heist. I want to be able to sneak into this facility, right? Mm -hmm. Each person needs to say, you know, I'm going to do this to help you. I'm going to do this to help you. And we're going to figure out a way that we can invoke our aspects so that this person can succeed. So that when it's time for them to go, they can say, you know, we can figure out how they're going to complete this and then run through this uh, success with style. Because we had very little success with styles in our one shot. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, and, and that's we were, mostly because people weren't, in, we weren't thinking, about, you know, weren't thinking about that so much. But uh, also, you, you brought up another good point in that um, I, I kind of want to drill home that in Fate, when you create an advantage, the, the rule that we're talking about here is that when you use the created advantage action, which is one of the four actions in Fate, um, you basically roll a skill check, just like any other thing, and if you succeed on that skill check against some opposition, it's usually static for creative advantage. Like you just have like a DC to beat. Um, you get basically a new aspect gets put on the scene or on a character or whoever the target of the creative advantage was. And you get a free invoke of that aspect. And you can either choose to use it yourself or you can choose to just give it to someone else. And that's what we're talking about here. It's like if you say you're like a mage, right? And, you, and you're using magic and fate. Um, and you guys are fighting out in like a hilly environment. Maybe, maybe you instead of attacking with earth magic, right? You might choose to instead use your earth magic to cause a landslide, which then puts like the difficult terrain uh, advantage or the stumbling advantage or aspects on the character, the, the enemy. And then give the free invoke of that aspect to your fighter who's already in melee combat with it. And then when they make their attack, they roll their attack roll. They invoke any aspects they choose to or not. And then they automatically get that free invoke from the advantage you just created, which then adds another plus two to the roll. So like you can kind of see here how, and there's no limit to this. Like you, you can have like five, you can make like five invokes if you want. Um, I think there is a rule that you can only use one fate point to invoke per turn, but I don't quote me on that. I can't remember if that's true or not. But you can use it. I know for sure you can use as many free invokes as you want on your turn. So like if, if you have if you have a five-minute member party, four of them create an advantage and give the free invoke to the fighter, and then you, you know, maybe this is the BBEG, right? Maybe this is the big guy who has like a crap ton of stress boxes. Now all of a sudden the fighter does, I don't know, say if you have four create advantages, that's, that's plus eight to their roll for free, right? Like that's crazy. That's especially when your rolls and feet only go from negative four to four. So like your max shifts are already four with just a roll. If you add a plus eight, that's already double or triple even, you know, your maximum roll. So it's, it's, it can be quite exaggerated there, but um, I feel like the idea of a support character is just naturally hard for players of tabletop RPGs to grok for some reason. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because everyone wants to like shine and they don't see support as a way of shining, which I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, we've, you know, we've talked about that subject. Before. Yeah. I mean, it comes up pretty much every video where we're trying to create an environment where support people are viewed as part of the team and like an integral part of the team mm -hmm. instead of this, uh, this kind of the position that gets all of the, the limelight or the attention. Yeah. 
So what other what other uh, things do you find hard? Maybe some things you 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 liked about it. Like well, let's go, let's try that. Let's switch it up a bit. Absolutely. Um, there are certain things that I am stealing from fate, incorporating into my games, um, and I want to do that more and more. I, I have already had this kind of thought process about in my other tabletop RPGs when a player gets that critical hit and is scoring that final blow on a creature, I usually give them that opportunity to explain, you know, how are you going to do this? Mm -hmm. um, we have, that's a long history. Um, I've seen other GMs use it. And yeah, it's a, I, I think, I think a lot of people attribute that to Matt Mercer, but be clear, that's yeah, existed that's long before Matt Mercer was playing, so. He definitely did make that popular. Um, and at first, I kind of didn't like it because I felt like it was taking away from um, kind of the show and the mm -hmm. flow of things. And then um, later down under the road, I started giving people the option to to do that. And I noticed that people were kind of looking forward to expressing themselves in that way. And that's an exercise that I want to add into the game more so that um, I want to add more fate into my games, basically. Mm -hmm. is that. I want to give people more of a narrative to describe how they're accomplishing something instead of me dictating it, trying to empower players to have more of a, of a uh, active voice instead of a kind of a passive voice in the games. Yeah. So fate has this really strong dynamic of the GM kind of taking a seat back. And I think that makes everybody kind of uncomfortable at first, but right off the bat, um, everybody started saying like, well, I'm going to go over this way and I'm going to go look for this particular thing. I'm going to start talking to this person. And I really liked that. Like um, I wasn't the only one setting the details for the scene. And it was actually kind of nice to just uh, be the referee instead of being the arbiter. Yeah. It, it is really nice to have, um, you know, player input and an expected player input. Because uh, like like you mentioned in, in like before that oftentimes in like D and D and Pathfinder and stuff, there's like this expectation that the GM just comes up with everything and the players kind of just go with the flow kind of deal. Um, and I, I think that sometimes that can lead to a bit of laziness or complacency on the bit of the player's part. Not necessarily their fault, just kind of I think that naturally tends to happen because of you know they're not put they don't need to put in as much creative emphasis on things and i think that when you have a game like fate where the players are kind of forced to get creative and be in the middle of the action and do things whether it's their turn or not i think it kind of encourages players to pay attention more and be kind of in the you know in the mm -hmm. um in the scene more for lack of a better term um but I don't know. That's just my feeling. Did you there, did you feel that way as well when like you were? Games, you you hit some note with me there because there are a lot of few games where um, I feel like it's my turn and I want to get my turn over with as quickly as possible so that we can get on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's helpful because people are taking too long of turns and we want to get we want to accomplish something in a set period of time, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it kind of leads to this uh, this feeling of like, it's not my turn, I don't need to pay attention. And when you said fate kind of makes everybody kind of have to feel like they got to pay attention, that's the kind of game that we want to play, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to play a game where it's my turn, now I have the limelight and I'm going to make my action and it's cool and then, okay, my turn's done and I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. Like, 
yeah, with, with fate, you know, in order to make the best use of your turn, like what aspects you're going to invoke, what advantages you're going to create, etc. You kind of need to know what's going on at any given time. So you can kind of plan that in your head because your turn in fate often, more often than like Pathfinder and D&D depends heavily on what the other turns are, what's happening in the other turns as well. I feel like um, because of the fact that you're not just dealing damage every turn, right? In fact, mm -hmm. like we mentioned, if you're playing fate correctly, you, most turns you probably aren't dealing damage directly unless you're the, you know, the, the fighter right. guy or whatever. But um, was there anything else you particularly liked about fate? Um, well, I like the lack of initiative. Um, oh, I was actually curious here. about how you. Uh, felt about I that. Loved it. So I what they're talking the about popcorn. is rules is written in fate, and this is often changed in homebrew games to kind of ease players into it. But fate core, and I think all the variants of fate actually rules is written um, rather than like everyone rolling notice at the start of the at the start of the encounter or perception, like whatever. You instead you pick someone to go first or whoever go the first person is usually whoever makes the most sense to go first, like whoever initiated, initiated the encounter. And then each turn at the end of each person's turn, they choose who goes next. So, you know, if, if you have like multiple enemies, if you're fighting multiple enemies, you probably don't want all of them to go at the end because now all of a sudden, whoever's got, you know, the most, Whoever, whoever they're attacking is just going to get wailed on by like five people, <laughs> like all being able to create advantages and like, they're going to get messed up. So you kind of get it, it, at first you might think, oh, well, the players just all going to go first and then all the enemies are going to go. And then what's the point? But it, you can try that. It's, it's not going to end well. Um, pretty short sighted. Yeah. Something so like I, and I think it's something people find out pretty quickly. Um, I, I think you guys right off the bat kind of realized that. Yeah. I don't know if it was your uh, direction, but um, I, I don't recall at any point in time them letting all of the bad guys go at the end and then starting a fresh turn. I think there was one one round where that happened, but luckily we only ha it was like at the beginning of the combat and only like one of the enemies had shown himself yet. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't much of a, a fear of that happening. Um, but I, I quickly explained, you know, you, you you might want to consider once more guys pop out the letting people go like in the middle um which you know if you think about it too it's not necessarily just because of them being able to stack themselves up like that but it's also like you know they're going to be creating advantages which might be on the scene and that's just more aspects that you can take advantage of later as well so like you gotta remember when you create an advantage yeah you get the free invoke but it creates an actual aspect that anyone can use they might have to pay a fate point to do it, but it's still more opportunities to for you to you know succeed as well. So it's not you know just because an enemy does something bad to you doesn't necessarily mean it's only going to be a bad thing. So, like for instance, if an aspect knocks over uh, you know a a torch or something and it creates the aspect on fire, right? Yeah, they get the free invoke of it. Sure, whatever. But now your turn comes around. The place is still on fire. Like there's that's still true. So you can do whatever you know want. You might fire an arrow through it and you know invoke the aspect saying, Hey, the arrow caught on fire kind of deal. Like there's all kinds of things you could do. Um 
you might shove the enemy and say, hey, this is on fire, so this is probably going to do more damage. Like, I don't know, there's a, there's, you know, you, depending on the aspect, you can get really creative with it. Um, so you kind of, like, turn the enemy's success into your success kind of deal. And, you know, vice versa, that can go for yours as well. You create advantage on the scene, and the enemy, a smart enemy, might be able to take advantage of that as well down the road. So it's kind of a very... I like the word cinematic. It's very cinematic, right? Because it's like, it's not just your characters. The environment matters. The in-the-moment state of the world matters. Um, there's aspects on the world itself. There's aspects on the scene. There's aspects on the setting. Like, there's... In a good in a good fake in a good fake game, there will be so many options for you to do that you will have decision paralysis deci just deciding which one you want to do. Mm. Um, but it takes it takes a certain mindset that is hard for people to get into. Um, but yeah, yeah, it clearly takes some practice for setting up a, a fake game. Um, so I do want to say, if you guys are wanting to run fate. I definitely, you know, there's nothing wrong with running a Fate one-shot, especially if it's your first time running Fate, because you're going to screw things up. You're going to have to consult the rules if you want to, etc. Just make sure you're there with the expectation that, A, you're probably going to be wrong a lot. That's fine. B, you're, if, you're, if your goal is to learn Fate, you're probably, you might not finish the session. So it's up to you whether you want to actually make it more than a one-shot or not. And B, um... Or C, rather. It's three. I came and count and do my ABCs apparently today. <laughs> uh, now I remember what three was. So basically A and B. <laughs> but, um, and we'll get, and I think here in a little bit, we'll probably get into some some tips and tricks you can do for doing one shot. But my point was, is that, you know, I definitely wholeheartedly recommend people give fate a try. You are going to struggle at first because it is very, very different than even other narrative like any other rpg you play it's it's going to be very very different than those and it's not something you or your players are going to completely grok immediately and that's fine you know as long as you have fun you keep playing you keep learning from your mistakes and eventually you'll play the game correctly and by the way the whole point of fate is to be hackable in, in that you don't like a rule throw it out or replace it with something you want a new rule that doesn't exist at it just make you know try to make it fit the general flow of fate or not i've seen people uh on reddit there's a guy who uh created i wish i could remember the name of the game he created but it is basically it's like dungeon something but it's basically fate that takes some mechanics from like osr you know old school dungeon dragons games and makes a sort of like hybrid for like specifically made for cinematic dungeon crawling, which is, is really weird work? concept to think about. But like they actually, you actually have like in fate, you don't have actual money and you don't buy equipment, right? You're just assumed that whatever you need, you probably have. Um, and if you need to buy something, if it makes sense narratively that you need to buy something, you have a resources skill uh, that you can roll on to see if you have the funds to do it. Um, a lot of people ret retcon this out and they'll do different things. Um, the kind of approach I take in my game that I'm designing and approach that's used in uh, some other games like uh, Interface Zero Fate Edition um, is that you kind of have these different, what they call payments, which are different tiers of payments. 
and you have a resources stress uh, track so that as you as you spend payments that you don't have you it's kind of like resource stress is like debt right like you have payments if you spend those payments for something you have then you don't you don't accrue incur stress right but if you spend payments you if you buy something you don't have the payments for then you you know incur stress and likewise when you complete quests and whatnot you get various levels of payments and those go can either re, you know reduce your stress track etc so it's kind of like an abstracted form of money right you're not sitting there counting gold pieces but it still gives you the the uh the i don't know if the word tactile is a good good use of it but the experience you you're used to in games like D, where you have funds coming in you have funds going out um and you can you know you can buy equipment that gives you free invokes on things for instance or in, in very specific circumstances so i won't get into the details of how that works but my point is is that you know a lot of people change up some of these fundamental mechanics of fate to be fit more something of what their players are interested in magic is another thing there is no in the world of fate there is no de facto uh implementation of magic at all but there are tons of different implementations people have done of magic and different that work in different ways um and you kind of you know make your own or kind of pick one that someone's already done uh and i think the fate fate srd.com does kind of aggregate some of these that people have written about um so you can kind of go in there and see some examples of what people have done in the past uh and either use them verbatim or use them to inspire your own system but um my point is, is that the fate the game is very very hackable and designed to be so so you know the world is, as a game master you can kind of make it as you will and in fact a lot uh, there's a huge number of indie rpgs created using the fate system as the basis of the system they use um as i just mentioned the one i'm working on does it uh interface zero fate edition does it um there's a bunch of fate worlds which are made by evil hat that are all use variants of fate that have their own t t you know, twists on it to be kind of specific to the world they're set in. There's tons of uh, third-party ones that you can get through Evil Hat's publishing ring or just off of like Amazon or things like that. So it's a really great system to serve as a foundation for your own RPGs because it's so flexible and so extensible and so easy once you figure it out and simple. Like the rule set is very small and very, you, it's very easy to pick up and go once you get in that mindset. So, uh, John, I was going to ask you some questions since you're kind of a veteran when it comes to running fake sure. games. Um, let's say I'm running a long-term game mm -hmm. of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, Starfinder, Pathfinder, right? Right. And I want a particular segment to be run in Fate. How do you feel about somebody doing something like that? Where their, their game transitions from the rules as, you know, from the particular edition they've been playing in. I think people have been doing that for a long time. Not, I don't, not necessarily, you know, going to fate, but I think like moving between system and system. In fact, on Reddit, I've heard of people, you know, playing like a Pathfinder game and all of a sudden they go to space and they're like, oh, we need some more space rules. So let's just transition to Starfinder temporarily while we're up here and they'll do that. Um, I think that doing that with fate is actually much easier than doing it with like going from like Pathfinder to Starfinder or D&D to Pathfinder or whatever, right? Be specifically because the the rules are so much more loosey-goosey creating a character is far less structured so you know you you as the gm knowing you're going to do this don't have to sit there and be like 
Oh, how does a how does a rogue look in Starfinder? Okay, we got the operative. All right, that's fine. What about this feat they have? They really like to use it. Does it exist in Starfinder? If not, how do I make it exist in Star? You know, there's a lot less work the GM has to do. With fate going like moving into fate for a like a situation um, or scenario, you could just say, okay, I'm a what what am I? What is my character? I am a half fork barbarian, right? Well, right there, you can just make that your high concept aspect, like. That's like that's it. Half orc barbarian. Boom. That's your high concept. Uh, what are my the other? What are the other like important facets of my character that I often you know play into? Uh, I like to eat a lot. Okay. Yeah. There's an aspect. I like to eat. Um, or, <laughs> or, like or excessive glutton would be a better would be a better aspect mm -hmm. there. Um, maybe uh, you know you like to drink and it gets you in trouble a lot. Maybe you could be like. Um, can't control my liquor. There's your trouble aspect, right? Like there, it's very, it's a lot easier to create a fake character from another RPG system than it is to create like a another RPG system from fate or another RPG system, right? Because there's not really any structure to the rules. You can kind of just do whatever you need to do to make it work. Um, I don't know. I think, I think one place where that would especially shine, um, one thing fate has that a lot of other RPGs don't is that they don't make a fate doesn't make a, uh, what do you call it? A, a delineation, I guess, between combat encounters and social encounters. They're both considered conflicts and they play out the exact same way. The only difference is the skills you're using to attack and defend. Um, you know, in, in a social, in, in a, a combat encounter, you might use, shoot or fight to attack and you know athletics or something else to do to defend right um in a so social encounter you might use uh provoke or uh um see what else like rapport maybe even to to attack and then will or something right to defend um mm. i think that if you're going to if you were like in Pathfinder or Starfinder and you were going into a, an arc where it's going to be very, very, very intrigue heavy, a lot of like, you know, a lot of, they're going to be going to a lot of high class, high class parties, like literal, like, you know, entertainment parties, um, gala. galas. Yeah. Like things where political, a lot of political dealings, a lot of diplomacy, things like that. Things where social encounters might play a heavier part. I think that that'd be an awesome place to throw fate in. Um, that way you can run, make them a bit more interesting than your typical just skill checks or whatever, or RP sessions that you would normally do in like Pathfinder or Starfinder. Um, I'm trying to think of where else might be good. Something like uh, chase chase scenes might be cool to do in a fate game because you can kind of i feel like they play out a bit better we can be creating advantages and you know run a bit more mm -hmm. fluid of a of a chase the, uh, than like i noticed uh i want to say it was around fifth edition xanathar guide that they introduced the the chase rules and you think that like they would have had chase rules like a long time ago but call of cthulhu had their own chase rules mm -hmm. and after reading so now i've actually read like a bunch of different types of chase rules after looking at fates i'm like I don't know how I could like go back to a game like Call of Cthulhu and not like look for something that is an aspect driven. You know, how do like, I, so I'm not really familiar with Call of Cthulhu. How does the chase rules work in that game? 
very similar um, with the, you kind of like, you're supposed to draw like a hash line mm-hmm. on and kind of explain like when you roll and make a success, it moves you to the end goal, right? And the thing, you know, because usually you're playing a game with an Eldritch Horror, mm-hmm. that thing is trying to catch up to you. But it can also be used with like a car scene, you know, gangsters on gangsters and if they're going to catch up to you or the police if you're running from them. And so um, you kind of make these like degrees of success and fifth edition kind of just like straight st- stole these rules back when uh, when Xanathar's Guide came out. I don't even remember what the five E chase rules. I have Xanathar's Guide. I don't remember what the five E chase rules were. <laughs> but um, we were going to use them at the table back at the game that we were playing. Were we? Uh, Do you remember what they are at the top of your head? Because I, I don't remember. If you don't, it's, it's fine. I just I don't remember off the top of my head, but I liked them at the time because it's not like D and D to do at all. It was very thematic. I see. Interesting. I have to crack open that book and try to find them because remember that i mean without knowing those rules in D, i would roll them or use them like a skill challenge right which again aren't even de facto D rules um but basically just like you roll skill check and depending on how well you do you might get bonuses to another skill check and they're not like kind of like a series of skill checks that kind of feed on each other um and then maybe if the other party does well on their skill check, it might set you back on yours like i don't know i don't know how i would run that but that, that'd be kind of like the how i would go for it until i I, I wasn't aware Xanathar's had them in there, but um, I think fates just play so naturally. Like, you know, one party's trying to get away, one party's trying to catch up. You're you're basically just you know creating advantages and trying to set the other party back while you gain gain footing. No pun intended. Um, and then you oh, have like this this series of okay, I'm at this point. I need to get to this point. Did I, did I do well enough to go up? Like a lot of people for chases actually use uh, clocks from Blades in the Dark. I was literally going to say that because I was remembering Blades in the Dark has a chase clock mm-hmm. system. Yeah. So clocks is a very, from Blades in the Dark is a very, very, very common fate hack. More than just chases. Just like they use it all. A lot of people use it all real place because it's very, very easy, you know, easy to understand, easy to use, isn't specific to any like, Blazonarch rules by any means, so it's very easy to like pull out and plop into another system. And in fact, I've seen some people in like the Pathfinder 2e subreddit who suggest they use clocks in various ways in Pathfinder. And I think you mentioned you kind of used them in Pathfinder 2e in a previous video we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, used, I was using them to keep track of basically uh, the the buildup of factions. Mm-hmm. I've const- kind of constantly had this like uh, creeping thing in the distance about what court was going to kind of take over uh, Tagusia. And uh, it just so happened to be winter was coming, which was fun because people thought I was just memeing when I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now that you've mentioned that, that's actually a really good use of them. I think faction, you know, faction uh, interplay, I guess there is is a great a great use of that. And I need to, I might consider using that in, in my faction games as well. Like Shifting I, Sands, I very... the Pathfinder e, to e, uh West Marsh's game we have, I make heavy uses of factions, and that would actually be a really good way to track like who's doing what and when. Kind I of wish I had read Blades of the Dark before I had planned out Tagusia because, um, you know, I had a very rude, uh, crude, rudimentary, you know, style of handling it. And when I read Blades of the Dark, I was like, "Well, why did I think of it doing it this way?" Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Somebody did all the work for me, and I looked at it and was like, "Wow, that's uh, 
conventional right there. Convenient, right? Yeah, it was super convenient. And so uh, that's the thing about playing these games like Fate, where it's like I'm worried that some of these rules are just going to bleed into my other games, where the expectation of my players to start, you know, world building with me, um, instead of me finding what your backstory is and trying to implement into the world, instead, I want to come up with more scenarios, situations where you tell me instead what happens, and uh, you know, we can collectively tell kind of a story together speaking of uh you know players kind of helping with the world building um one aspect of fate that i do use in most of my not shifting sands because of the nature of the west marshes game but in most of my like you know normal campaigns one aspect of fate uh that i'd really like is that it's not a requirement so to speak but it's a it's a strong encouragement that when you uh when you're creating your characters and creating your backstories and aspects, first of all, you pretty much have to do a session zero with fate for your character creation because of how interconnected, you know, how you have to be building the world together, building the setting together, deciding how your characters fit in that setting, et cetera. It's very hard to do a fate character creation without a dedicated session. Um, I even felt like the way we did it uh, in discord was kind of difficult because I think it would have worked out if everyone was, around and together to hash it out at once. I feel like the asynchronicity that we kind of took made it a little difficult, but it worked out in the end for a one shot. Um, but I guess the point is, is that when you're creating your aspects, they encourage you that at least one of your aspects should be a relationship aspect is what they call it, where it defines a connection to another player, right? Two, two characters don't have the same aspect. And like, like my character, my character has a relationship with another character but I have the aspect that character has a relationship with another character. They have that, et cetera. And it kind of goes around the circle. Right. So like everyone has a, a, a single relationship aspect is different from the, from the others. Um, and I think that's a great idea because it encourages uh, more often than not when I'm playing games like D and D or Pathfinder. And I think this is more of a more recent phenomenon based on, the, you know the the more recent uptick in players of this game and i think more pe sometimes you get a lot of players that are more interested in creating elaborate black backstories and characters than they are in playing the actual game and what that means is you no. end up with characters <laughs> who have backstories that just aren't relevant at all <laughs> like like you might have a character who like is going down one path and you have a character is just like why are you guys working together what what why are you here <laughs> you know uh, like we, why why are you in the same party but um i think fate kind of encourages you to solve that at character creation and i kind of take a similar approach in my uh pathfinder D, &D games and then i say okay my expectation when we start this game is that you all know each other somehow and my only, you can make whatever backstories you want, elaborate or not, but my one requirement is that you all have a connection to another character somehow in that backstory. Um, it's not as mechanical as it is in Fate because it's not like, you know, you have aspects and such, but it at least sets the tone for the game that you guys have a reason for being here and know each other. And you're not just randomly showing up at a tavern and kicking things off, right? Like you're, there's a reason you're all adventuring together. There's a reason you're all in this tavern at the same table, sharing drinks with one another. There's a reason when shit goes down, you know, and, and character A spits in the dude's face that everyone else has got their back. You know, like there's, there's an element of verisimilitude there that I think 
a lot of campaigns lack at the beginning. And I think this is a good way to solve that. And it's something I, I stole from the idea of relationship aspects and fate, even though it seems so obvious, like looking back on it. It's um, it's funny to think that we we experienced that like firsthand in our one shot with our, our fate game as well. Everybody knew everybody. Not everybody was on the same page with like how to handle things. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone was pretty much... I think we could have done a better job as players. And I think, again, if we were all in Discord at the same time and hashing things out together, that would have been a lot easier. Um, but yeah, well, I noticed too, when we were in play, all we all kind together. of like, we're tugging at strings in different directions, trying to, you know, go different ways. But yeah. For the most part, like, so like, I would add that as a critique to Fate. Um, it, if you don't do a session zero, like, good luck. Yeah. If you're doing a one shot and you have enough time in a Discord, where you guys can all kind of communicate and flesh out those details. I mean, I think we did a pretty good job. We had two weeks to plan the game. Yeah. And everybody, yeah, so it was the sixth. I so a little, two and a half weeks, because I notified it somewhere in like mid-December. Um, everybody kind of had a chance to flesh out their characters. But in your game, we did a session zero where everybody was present in a video call. Mm -hmm. And we were much... We were all on one page. At least in this scenario, uh, we were all in the same yeah. chapter. Um, so it's totally doable. I just, uh, I'd recommend John's way better. Having a, a session zero is going to be extremely important, uh, even with like experienced gamers for mm -hmm. Fate, because it's so story driven. I don't really think you can kind of get away with it. Whereas like if we were playing West Marches um, in a D&D or Pathfinder game, we could all show up and because the game has structure, you know, yeah, we might have different or similar classes or similar roles bleeding it together, but all of our characters would be able to go. Right. And the game would still be able to, to function properly. But because there's so little structure in Fate, um, not that that's a bad thing, but because there's, um, because you can be, you know, completely freestyle with your ideas, um, getting everybody on the same, same page, I definitely recommend having a session zero ahead of time. So one, before we, before we log off for the evening, one thing I want to, one trick I want to point out that I've found that works really well, especially for one shots, and even works well for campaigns, really, with new players, um, is uh, when you're creating your characters, if you can get every character to at least have their high concept of their trouble aspects, and at, at least their number one skill like their, their plus four skill, hmm. then, and ideally at least one stunt. We haven't talked about stunts, but you can read the assert fader CD on those. And they're, they're basically just way, they're, your abilities basically, your things that break the rules of the game. Um, if you can have those three things, or four things, again, I can't count apparently. Um, if you have those four things, then you can start playing and kind of figure out the rest as you go. Like maybe uh, in play, I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of like the idea of my character having this aspect. You just write it down. Like now it's an aspect. Um, mm. Or you say, or maybe, you're, maybe your plus four skill is uh, shoot, right? And you're like, man, you know, I like shooting. What, you know, maybe I like, I also like the idea of my, my player being able to, you know, like, jump off of buildings and stuff or something. I don't know. And you say, maybe it makes sense that my plus three aspect is acrobatics, you know? And you just kind of fill it in. And, like, you kind of, like, flesh your character out as you go. 
Um, and it lets you get into the game faster and start figuring it out faster. And you feel less beholden to your previous choices before you understood the game. You know what I mean? So like you can kind of figure out the game and then make your choices kind of deal. Um, so I find that really helps new players. It helps reduce the amount of time it takes for a session zero, especially if you're doing like a one shot and don't want to devote an entire session to it. Um, so it's a really way to get up and going easy. Um, you know, keeping in mind that once you do make a decision, that's your decision, right? You know, you're not, you can't like backpedal and stuff. That just defeats the purpose, but um, I don't know. And then like another thing I found, like when choosing that plus four skill, it's really cool if uh, everyone picks a different plus four skill. So one thing I'll do like when I play in person is I actually have the skill cards that, that Evil Hat sells and I'll lay them out on a grid on the table and I'll go around the table and say, pick one. And everyone grabs the card and it's now it's off the table. And then okay, now you pick one. And they pick like so you do that. Sometimes I'll even do that for the plus three skills, even, right? Like I'll say this, I'll say, okay, now put the cards back. Now pick a plus three skill and they pick one. You pick a plus three skill, pick one. Like kind of it's more like collaborative way of creating everyone's characters because it it ensures that everyone excels at different things and they're not like stomping on each other's foot feet kind of deal. Um mm -hmm. but those are those are two tips I have for kind of expediting things, uh, you know, in one shots, and also for getting people to think of more and more and more collaboratively. Like, what does my character bring to the table versus this character kind of deal? Um, okay, so um, don't so forget guess, to like and subscribe, you guys. Yeah, real um, quick though, I want to ask: Would you oh. play Fate? Would you uh, would you GM Fate again? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so this was just kind of um, a postmortem of, you know, now that we have two GMs who've actually done uh, Fate so that we could kind of discuss, you know, what we think about these things. Um, we put up on Twitter a poll, and right now um, we have one that is completely pulled in the lead um, as, far, as far as what our next video is going to be. So there's only 48 minutes left um, on this poll. So ironically, guys, I think uh, one of the choices is the fate SRD, which I think was supposed to be this video, but, um, so we would probably go more into, uh, fate basically. Oh, okay. Okay. See, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. See if there's, uh, people out there like this kind of content that we're covering, right? Since we like to cover a wide range of tabletop RPGs, mm -hmm. if people wanted to see more on fate, um, uh, especially because you've been running, a kind of like a long-term fate game and we've gotten, you know, a few of our uh, people in our group to kind of actually get to experience different styles of it, especially a, a one shot. Yeah. And, and, and along those lines, uh, that game you they're talking about, um, we are going to be doing the next, the part two, which is a long time coming. We're going to be doing it next weekend. Uh, we won't be streaming it, but we will be uploading the recording of it. The reason we'll be streaming it is because some people who play don't, don't like to show their face online, which is, which is fine. So I need to be able to blur that out afterwards. Um, so to do that, I have to, you know, I, I can't stream it and then blur it like on the fly. I have to do it post-processing, which is totally all right. So hopefully I'd say within the, the week following that, um, we will be able to have that up. You guys can watch. It will be a long one, right? Like if you, I don't know if you watch any of the first one, but the, the first one was like four hours long or something. Yeah. This one will probably be a bit shorter, honestly. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it, it's really hard to get all of us together uh, like this and to do this kind of thing. But um, um, 
I think, uh, I mean, I really hope that it's going to be another three, four hour. Game. Oh, I hope it's at least three for sure. Uh, because yeah. we kind of bit off more than we could chew with this particular, uh, <laughs> it was supposed to be a one shot, but I think it, even after the, it's probably going to be a three parter and all if, if not four. For sure. um, so even after this one, there will be at least a part three. Um, so as much as we can, you know, get done in this session, the mm -hmm. better. Um, it's, it's nice because we got a new fresh player to kind of mm -hmm. join in the mix. Um, yep. so it's, it's also kind of, it feels very cinematic, right? Like going through, um, if anybody has watched without like any spoilers of what the game's currently doing, there's a bit of time travel involved. And so there will be an introduction of new people when you're going through that kind of phases. Yeah. Of the, so I, I'm pretty excited to like introduce a new player. Um, and they did really well in our one shot. Um, which was the first time they played a TTRPG ever, right? Any, any R tabletop RPG. And they were just like, as soon as it was their turn, they're like, well, I want to go over the line and try and sneak in, you know, and, and steal credentials from this guard. And I was just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I just, I knew this was going to be, I mean, overall, did you have fun playing it is the real question, right? Yeah. And that's, that's. No, 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 John, seriously, that was a question. No, I was, I was going to, I was just saying like, yeah, like I was going to say that it's, uh, it's it, as long as you're, everyone at the table's having fun. That's all that really matters at any tabletop RPG. Um, Wait, the, the question was left. <laughs> where, I, I don't get it. Where you ask, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> did, did, you, did you have fun? You were in the game. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we we got a lot to work on uh, as far as balancing those aspects. Um, we'll get better. Um, I feel like now having been able to GM, I'm able to better perform in your game, which is in turn going to help everyone else, right? Yep especially everyone else getting a, a kind of a second perspective on this. So hopefully our game will get spiced up uh, the next time around. We won't just be doing individual attacks on things. Um, instead, we'll be setting people up for better degrees of success. And yeah, hopefully, you know, if we're playing in the same setting and whatnot and with the same characters, maybe we, like you said, we can tweak things around and change up some aspects and whatnot. Uh, I guess we didn't talk about advancement and fate, but there are opportunities for you to change things like that uh, through advanced character advancement. So, but yeah, as Jackie mentioned, definitely when you, if you see this on YouTube, well, you're already going to go stream on YouTube now, but like and subscribe <laughs> because we the more subscribers we get, the more features we unlock on YouTube, and the more better content we can give you guys. So definitely, definitely hit that sub button. If you want to be notified, hit the bell. And every time we start streaming, you guys will be notified immediately and be able to join in. Um, we appreciate you guys for viewing today. Um, and until next time, happy gaming. Ciao, guys.